Telling your story on Cam Glen Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Telling Your Story. I'm Joy and today the show is brought to you by myself and John. Hi, John. Yes, hello. This week, Joy and I are going to be discussing how the media affects our mental health. This includes portrayals, watching the media or listening to things like the news could influence mental health. You're listening to Telling Your Story, and this week our topic is the relationship between the media and mental health. Now, the first thing we need to talk about regarding mental health in the media is how various TV shows and films tend to portray various mental health conditions. Now, while I was researching this, I found a particular book about the topic called Mental Health Disorders on Television, Representation versus Reality. And that is by Weaver and McMahon Coleman. So that is where most of my information for this particular topic comes from. 
If you'd like to have a further look at that book, please feel free to do so if you're interested. Anyway, media portrayals of mental health are fairly varied. One of the more common things they do is they don't specifically say what the mental health condition is. It's not specifically named. Instead, various signs, stereotypes, uh, codes are used and displayed by various people in a TV show or film which may or may not be used as code for this person has insert mental health problem here. For example, someone who has armor wrist injuries in a TV show or film is implied to be self-harming. A TV show with someone who has autism may signal this via having that person be more socially awkward than everyone else, and so on. Now, this portrayal can be both good or bad. It's good because it means program makers are aware that their audience knows about mental health and may be able to identify mental health disorders from their symptoms and are intelligent enough to do so. However, it's also bad because it means that stereotypical signs and symptoms of mental health conditions are still used in the media and are considered accurate by the media even if they've been outdated for a while or oversimplified. It also tends to imply that some people in the media in charge of making films and TV shows may be worried that they can't especially say this person has autism, this person is depressed, with their fear of getting complaints from someone. Going back to the issue of oversimplifying and using outdated information regarding mental health conditions, I actually have a good example here, and that is the recurring tendency for films and TV shows to portray autism spectrum disorders and similar neurological conditions in such a way that implies that people with these conditions may have a special talent as a result. Now, this is clearly intended to be a positive way of portraying these conditions, but you have to wonder how helpful they can actually be, especially when you consider that one of the main sigmas that people with these conditions tend to have is the fact that they are considered abnormal. I also note that this portrayal seems to show up quite a bit in family or children's shows. The example I've got here is the Doctor Who episode In the Forest of the Night from the Peter Capaldi era. And another example from the same show is the Matt Smith episode Vincent and the Doctor. That specific episode, while it was actually a fairly good portrayal of depression, it did at one point imply a link between the painter's depression and his artistic abilities. One final point before I hand over to Joy is the fact that most portrayals of mental health tend to be negative. Those suffering from mental health issues do occasionally get portrayed as more violent or dangerous either to themselves or to others. And the example here is the Joker from Batman plus 
crime dramas seem to be particularly bad at this, what with making various criminals and false suspects have mental health as their motives for committing crimes. Also notice that quite a lot of people suffering from mental illnesses in the media tend to get portrayed as being antisocial or difficult to work with. Having said that, some positive portrayals do exist, such as the A-word, Monk, and the film Rain Man. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So darling
Thanks, John. Some really interesting points there, and I agree with what you're saying. I remember, uh, you know, my personal experience of watching EastEnders many years ago. I think it was 95, 96. And they developed uh, a character, Joe Wicks, who was a young lad. He was 17, very popular character. Um, He's related to other popular characters like David and, and Pat. And... Um, his character developed schizophrenia. Now, the reason uh, that that came about was that EastEnders story editor Ian Oldwinkle wanted to introduce a character after working on the drama series Casualty, which featured violent, dramatic incidents involving people with the illness, but only focused on the medical side. And when Oldwinkle researched the illness... He said he was shocked to discover that it affects one in a hundred people, but it was rarely spoken about. And he said because it has a continuing storyline, EastEnders was able to look at the, the effect that schizophrenia has on a family and in individual relationships. I wanted to humanise it and look at the emotional impact it has on people. He said he hoped that the storyline would be helpful, saying... It seems to me that mental illness is one of the last subjects that you can still make jokes about without being labelled politically incorrect. And that seems wrong. If I get just one letter from one person saying that the character of Joe Wicks has helped to change their life for the better, then I'll be pleased. So in order to develop that storyline and, and the character and to do it accurately, EastEnders worked with experts from the the National Schizophrenia Fellowship to make the plot as accurate as possible. And Gary Hogman from the Fellowship, he said it was the the largest ever schizophrenia awareness initiative, reaching an audience of 10 million people three times a week. People could watch Joe going through the motions. We showed things were not so bad and how you could get help. There's so much misinformation about schizophrenia with the media focusing on extreme cases. And Joe was a handsome young man, not a spotty loner. He showed that schizophrenia can happen to anyone and made it easier for people to talk about. Andy Bell of the Sainsbury Centre for Mental Health criticised TV and films for portraying schizophrenia patients as a stereotype of a person who's in a hopeless situation, but said EastEnders broke the mould, saying it was an excellent storyline and, importantly for us, was very well handled. And absolutely it was. I I mean, I remember watching it. Um, I was glued to the the TV screen, like so many millions of other people. And the storyline prompted thousands of calls to the National Schizophrenia Fellowship, who said that the story broke society's taboo and talking about the illness and praised the sensitive way in which the illness was portrayed. The Fellowship said the story did more to break the stigma attached to schizophrenia than any number of worthy media appeals. The Fellowship's chief executive, Barrett Mehta, said that EastEnders helped to destroy the myths that schizophrenia meant that a person had a split personality and the, the illness was likely to make them violent. The, the character's exit um, from, from EastEnders was viewed by 22 million people. I mean, that's quite extraordinary. And certainly the impact on me personally at that time, um, I was already interested in mental health. I always had been. But this really helped, you know, steer me another step towards being involved with mental health campaigning and anti-stigma work and uh, improving the, the confidence and the ability of people to talk about mental health, to talk about their own mental health as well as mental health generally. So... You can see that, you know, the the impact of the media 
you know, can affect a lot of people in a lot of different ways, from from individuals choosing careers through to people who have shared the experience, feeling confident to, to seek help and support, and the, the general national conversation that really helps raise awareness and break down taboos and, and, and barriers.
the enemy. Sticking to how the, the popular press portrays mental health, I, I, again, I'm going to go back a few years. It was about 18 years ago, and The Sun actually got into quite a lot of trouble for how they initially portrayed um, something that was happening to Frank Bruno. Now, for those who aren't aware who Frank Bruno was, he was a very popular personality at the time. He was a boxer. He was also a TV personality, um, known as a lovely, friendly guy. And, um, you know, people people genuinely did care about him. And the first time that the public uh, came to know that Frank Bruno was experiencing mental health issues was through a, a Sun headline when he had a breakdown and he was sectioned. The first headline on the front page of the Sun way back in 2003 was Bonkers Bruno Locked Up, Ex-Champ Sectioned, using language like tragic and so on. Uh, now, this was the first edition and 100,000 copies went out of that. And before they ran off any more copies, there was an absolute outcry from readers from that first headline. That that uh, gained headlines in itself. So the Sun realised they were going to have to change the headline for later editions that day and changed it to Sad Bruno in Mental Home, Hero Sectioned. So you can see that they made some changes in response to the, the, the complaints. It still wasn't entirely sympathetic or, or, or positive. But I think it shows a couple of things. One is that if, if people do actually collectively uh, address these issues, changes can happen. And the media have a, a, you know, a powerful part to play in that, which, which is a good thing if used correctly. And that is key to this topic as well as others. And that is, it's very rarely the thing itself that's good or bad. It's, it's how it's used. And it's the same with popular media, any media. It's how it's used. And in The Sun's case, um, you know, they were, they're a populist newspaper, they they go for the big headlines that gets people reading and talking. And in this case, it was negative. But the media's changed since since then, of course. What do you think? Yes, you're quite right, Joy. The news has gotten much better at betraying mental health since the days of Frank Bruno, for sure. Having said that, I will notice that they're not quite as good as they could be. I do remember how... When Simone Biles had to pull out of the Olympics, uh, certain Olympic events uh, for the 2020 Games, I noticed that while there was a lot of sympathy for her, I noticed that a few papers took a jab at her being a millennial and not having the stamina or resistance that people of her generation, as they put it, could have compared to past ones. I suppose it would not be much of a surprise to learn that it was mainly the Sun and the Daily Mail that did this. Having said that, these kinds of things do seem to be somewhat in the minority nowadays. Nowadays, they do tend to portray mental health much more sympathetically and with a greater focus on raising awareness and finding help for these conditions. When I was thinking about the portrayals of mental health in the media, 
I noticed the news was where I got most of my information, knowledge about various mental health conditions. It only really tends to show up in TV shows and films when that's the main topic of discussion for that episode or film. I also noticed that nowadays the news does seem to do an awful lot to highlight mental health, be that making reference to various awareness days for mental health conditions or having mental health be a frequent topic on various current affairs programmes and shows like The One Show.
Telling Your Story on Cam Glen Radio. This is Telling a Story. I'm John and Joy's here too. We're discussing mental health in the media this week. Now, in addition to how the media portrays mental health, there's an interesting question to ask about how the media influences mental health with what they show. And what I mean by that is asking how watching TV, films and the news affects your mental health, even if they're not specifically talking about mental health itself. So, for example, we have the repeated tendency in recent years for film and TV to be dominated by various high-profile, dark and dramatic content about people's lives falling apart, families breaking up, and people generally struggling to cope with the world around them. Examples here would be uh, Russell T. Davis's Years and Years and various other miniseries. The soaps are also probably the best example of this as well. You do have to ask at times whether those dark and depressing shows are actively negatively influencing the mental health of their audience. Also bear in mind that these kinds of programs seem to show up regardless of what's going on in the world around them. So they keep showing up even when there's a global pandemic on or there's some other major incident showing up, for example, some kind of political crisis. That is an interesting thing to think about. Moving on, let's talk about the news again. Specifically, how watching the news can influence your mental health, both positive and negatively. Several scientific studies have shown that exposure to negative news broadcasts can lead to an increase in anxiety, sadness and emotional distress. This probably should not be a surprise. And it should also not be a surprise that Studies focusing on the news coverage of terrorist attacks has led to an increase in stress or post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I'm going to talk about two specific studies. One was carried out in the Netherlands related to the news in general, and a second one was done in America specifically related to the effect the news about the COVID-19 pandemic had on the mental health of citizens there. Now, both of these studies did give similar results. Positive information tended to increase mental health and negative information decreased it. The Netherlands study found some interesting things, specifically that the way the news was presented and how much control the person had over events tended to play a role in how it affected their mental health. Also, rather interestingly, there was no significant difference between the ages of those who took part related to how their mental health was affected by the different stories. However, it does note there was a gender difference with women who took part in the study perceiving the news more negatively than men. One good thing the study showed was the fact that sport and economy stories caused positive responses in those who took part. However, the people in charge of this study wanted it to be made clear that class did not factor into the results. In fact, everyone who took part was from a middle-class background 
in the Netherlands. Meanwhile, the COVID-19 pandemic study in the US, that one measured mental health according to four parameters. The threat of coronavirus to the health of the population of America as a whole and the economy of the US as a whole, and the threat it had to that individual person's health and personal income. It found that personal stakes was a major contributor in negatively affecting mental health. If someone didn't think coronavirus was a threat to their personal health, uh, they wouldn't be as worried. But if it wasn't a threat to their personal health but did affect their personal finances, it could negatively affect them. The study also found there was a positive feedback loop regarding news. So they watched a news bulletin about the coronavirus pandemic This made them view it as a threat, so they watched more bulletins about the coronavirus pandemic and other news shows about the pandemic, and that increased the threat they felt and the negative effect on their mental health. That study was done by Steinbeck, Hearn and Truy, while the Netherlands one was by Verboon and Hoog. I've been watching and, and listening with, with interest uh, what, what's been happening uh, this year during the Olympics with um, mental health really coming to the fore in quite a positive way. So we had the, uh, people say, courageous actions of um, Simone Biles. And I, I agree, I think it was courageous. She knew that her her mind was just not going to uh, keep her safe during the the particular move she was going to make. So she said no, and she's she's not going to take part in the, the activities because of her mental health. And there were some people that said, no, that's that's ridiculous. A gymnast, you know, should like, should go ahead anyway, that's what they're training for. But actually the majority of people were highly supportive. And in in a way, you know, thanked her for for raising this issue, so that there there could be this public debate and um, you know positive public conversation about it. I'm really quite heartened by that. <laughs>
the circuit to Spring Hall, Eastfield to Spittle, and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Cam Glen Radio. For the community. By the community. We've talked about the press and their influence on, on mental health and how we relate to it. We've talked a bit about television, particularly some you know, popular programmes like soaps and so on, and their their impact well, let's have a look at social media. Social media is uh, clearly you know, a very popular way for people to gain and share information. Uh, you know, over the the years, um, different platforms have uh, sprung up. Some are more popular with particular age groups or particular interest groups. But quite clearly, probably about half the population of the planet are using social media in one way or another. And there's been a lot of research about it. A University of Missouri study found a link between Facebook use and depression. However, I'd like to mention some of the positive effects they found as well uh, before we look at some of the negative. I mean, the, the exactly same study uh, also found that people who use the platform primarily to connect with others don't experience the negative effect. And Psychology Today reports that, quote, in fact, when not triggering feelings of envy, the study shows Facebook could be a good resource and have positive effects on well-being. So that's, that's actually, that's really good to know. And there's also compelling evidence that social media can benefit people who are already dealing with, with mental health issues by helping them build online communities that provide a source of emotional support. In the UK, the Mental Health Foundation says it's undeniable that online technologies can be used to reach the most vulnerable in society as well as helping to reduce the stigma attached to seeking treatment. Social media is, they say, invaluable for people with health conditions to know that they're not alone, that there are other people who have gone through this and got better. And that was a quote from uh, Professor John Powell, a public health researcher at Oxford University, who's researched how social media can be used to support people with chronic illnesses. Uh, Matthew Oransky, an assistant professor of um, adolescent psychiatry at New York's Mount Sinai Hospital, also says that many patients make social contacts online, social connections online that they could not find elsewhere. And this is particularly true of marginalised teens, such as kids in foster homes and LGBT adolescents. Joy's portrayal of social media there is certainly optimistic, although, as she mentioned regarding one of her studies, that study did mention a couple of negatives as well. It is a fairly sad thing to say that for a lot of people, they may not recognise the positives regarding social media and will only ever see the negatives. My views on social media are actually a bit more negative than Joy's. The the matter is, I'm probably unique in being one of the few people below the age of 30 who doesn't have a social media account. Now, there are a few reasons for that, but one of them tends to be the fact that when I think of social media, I think of something fairly negative. I think of something that creates echo chambers and makes it very easy to fall into a rabbit hole of online abuse and mistreatment. There are a lot of stories circulating in the news regarding to how mental health companies 
tend to ignore the fact that their systems are open to abuse in these ways. With reports among bullying on social media at teenagers and young people increasing as a result. I think one of the highest profile examples of this was actually one of the Little Mix singers, Jade Thurwall, suffering from mental health problems as a result of the abuse she suffered on social media. The other major high-profile one was the presenter Caroline Flack, suffering similar abuse from the media, and as a result, she took her own life. Thinking about it, one of the things that make me so wary of social media might actually be because I'm so young, somewhat paradoxically. Because people have started to become more aware of how social media can be used in this way, they've started to warn about it. And as a result, that is what formed my main view of social media and made me decide not to have anything to do with it. Interesting points you're making there, John. And, um, you know, as we said earlier, a thing itself is, is rarely good or bad in and of itself. It's how it's used. And I also thought it was quite an interesting observation you made about age because when I came to social media I was already quite a bit older than than you are and I saw it differently I used it differently I mean it was probably about 10 12 years ago maybe I first ventured into Facebook but now I'm on Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn I use it for business I use it to keep in touch with people I use it for information I use it to check out goods and services before making a purchase and certainly uh, over the last 18 months with the pandemic, it's, for myself and probably a lot of other people, it's been a lifesaver because there was no other way I could stay in, in communication with people. But through social media, I could. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm in contact now with quite a lot of people I hadn't seen or heard from or spoken to for a very long time years decades in some cases so for me my experience is is predominantly positive and maybe even 100% positive uh, so I personally see a particular side to it um, that makes me want to keep using it and and I absolutely will do for young people I think a lot of young people are the ones that, that experience some of the the negative aspects, the bullying and so on. And that that's certainly borne out by research. And when you look uh, at services, particularly for young people uh, and mental health, you can see that there's advice being given about healthy use of social media and that kind of thing. And Young Minds, if you go to youngminds.org.uk, they have... Uh, a list of, t of top tips about how you can have a more positive time online. And just very briefly, number one is clean your feed. It's not always easy to tell when you're feeling down when you're online. Take some time to go through your social media feed to work out what's making you feel good and what's not. 
The second one they say is find your crowd. Whatever your passions are in life, you're not alone. There are accounts out there that will interest and excite you and help you explore your passions. And being part of a positive online community can give a boost to your mental health. And thirdly, they say, say hey. (laughs) You never know what someone else is going through. And whether you realise it or not, your support could make all the difference. Social media is a great place to let your friends know you haven't forgotten them, that you care about them and that they matter. And getting involved in making the online world a more positive place to be could give you a boost too. So that's the the top tips about keeping yourself um, positive and safe uh, online from youngminds.org.uk. They've got lots of resources uh, for young people's mental health. So give it a visit, see what's there.
Hill. To Newton. From Borough to Kirkhill. This is Cam Gwen Radio. 107.9 FM. Your voice. Your music. Your station. Telling your story on Cam Glen Radio. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show today. I, I hope you've been listening and uh, enjoying what, what myself and John have been bringing. Uh, we've been talking about media and mental health, how it impacts mental health, how it portrays mental health. Mostly we've been looking at so national media, national television. What about local media? What about the local newspaper? Uh, I mean, certainly... I've got experience over many years when I've been working in uh, Campus Lang and Rutherglen of having a relationship with the reformer. And, you know, we've we've taken part in campaigns that they've run. They've published uh, campaigns and covered activities that, that, that we've run a couple of years back, about three years ago. Uh, we were approached by the, the reformer because of the, the, the suicide statistics. Um, that that come out and they wanted to explore a bit more about people's experience and you know how how media perhaps could could help with this so we got together a focus group of people that were engaging with healthy and happy who had lived experience of mental health issues and suicidal feelings and in some cases suicide attempts and I wanted to mention that because it was World Suicide Awareness Day this past week. So it's still it's still an important topic. And local media has a great part to play in it because uh, the, the stories that they feature, the activities that they, they cover are known to local people. Local people may have taken part in those activities. So they read it and they can relate to it and it resonates with them. And they look at the photos and they try and see themselves and whatnot. And the you know, some of the for instance with the focus groups, you know, these, these could be our neighbours, these could be our friends, they could be us. And it just brings it all home to us a little more. So I'm very pleased that local media continues to, uh, to to cover uh, mental health issues. Of course, not just the, the press, but the reformer. The reformer themselves are on social media as well, which I think is an important important point to, to make. And of course, what are people listening to now? Well, it's your community radio station, Cam Glen Radio. John, tell us a wee bit more about that. Coming in closer to home regarding services that help with mental health, there is the one you're listening to, Cam Glen Radio itself. Now, the way Cam Glen Radio helps with mental health is twofold. First off, quite a number of our volunteers have come to us as a result of mental health issues, whether that's confronting their own problems or learning new skills that will help them which helps to create a positive impact on their mental health. The second way that Camgrain Radio helps is via having a lot of representation of people with mental health issues. Many of them even present their own shows. That's actually helpful with something that I was discussing earlier, which is the representation of mental health in the media itself. We've come to the end of the show. 
I've thoroughly enjoyed it. John, thank you very much for, for um, sharing this show with me and being my co-presenter. It's been really interesting and, and enjoyable. And I want to thank everybody for listening as well. And I hope something we've said today perhaps resonates with you. And hopefully we'll see you again next time. John, last word to you. Now, I think that's all we've got time for this week. I've been John and Joyce been here as well. Tune in next week for more Telling a Story. Bye. Telling your story on Cam Glen Radio. From Burnhill. To Newton. From Borough. To Kirkhill. This is Cam Glen Radio. 107.9 FM. Your voice. Your music. Your station. Glen Radio, community announcements. NHS Lawrence is running a campaign to encourage more young men to talk about and take care of their sexual health after a 64% drop in men attending clinics. Many STDs are symptomless, despite many waiting for symptoms to appear before being checked out. Go to LawrenceShireSexualHealth.org, that's LawrenceShireSexualHealth.org, to see the full range of options available. Canvas Lang Universal Connections is setting up a new drop-in group to provide a safe and friendly space for men to meet up, talk and support each other. There will be a pool table, darts board and other games and will soon offer other fun and practical activities such as cooking 
IT activities and anything that you might wish to see. The group will meet on Fridays from 10am to 12pm at Campus Line Universal Connections on the Main Street. And finally, Leap Project are running joint classes every Thursday from their base on Craig Allen Avenue from 6 to 8pm. It's £5 per class and all materials will be provided. Call 0141 641 5169 or email inquiries at leap-project.co.uk to register. I'm David Cuthbertson and that's your community announcements on Cam Glen Radio. If you have an event or activity happening in Rutherglen or Campus Lang, let us know. Email what's on at camglenradio.org or for more events in your community, visit camglenradio.org local.